We're sitting here three years nearly after the murder of George Floyd, a time when many companies in response pledged over $50 billion to address diversity and racial equity issues. How is that going? What have the diversity pledges actually encouraged these companies to do? Shelly joins us now to talk a little bit about that. Karen, thank you for, for having me and for covering this. We are seeing relatively low unemployment, but we're also seeing headline grabbing numbers of some massive layoffs, particularly in tech in some, at some major tech companies, but other major companies as well. And I'm wondering how these layoffs are impacting black workers and are impacting the diversity, equity, inclusion efforts that some of these companies have put forth. It is certainly a, a challenging period that we're entering. I mean, you're seeing the layoffs get announced, not only in tech, but you're seeing it across sectors. I am concerned that as we go into any sort of a downturn or softness, that some of the work around diversity, equity, inclusion, and certain populations will be hit disproportionately. And I'm worried because that's historically been what has materialized. The interesting thing about tech, for better or for worse, is it will certainly impact black workers. But one of the things that I've been most concerned about with respect to the, to the job market in black Americans is we have been underrepresented in tech historically, which is not a good thing, but it may mean that in tech, you know, maybe black, black Americans won't be dis, hit disproportionately TBD, but I think the underrepresentation there is the more important theme. And how do we ensure that in this down cycle that we are still thinking about ways to increase representation as we think about emerging from this thing on the other side. On this great attrition comment, I think there's a couple of themes that I'd pick up. One is the frontline worker piece of it. We know that Black Americans disproportionately occupy frontline jobs. Many of these folks were the essential workers in the pandemic who frankly were out doing the hard work so that many of us could have the basic goods that we need to get through the pandemic. But we also know that historically, there's been challenges with wages, with predictability of scheduling, and with benefits. And so you've seen very high attrition rates in many of these frontline jobs, particularly in retail. And what it ultimately means is the companies who can think about designing the frontline job you know, in a way that is truly reimagined actually will outperform because we know attrition has all sorts of direct and indirect costs. Those who have the courage to stay in the arena, you know, commit to what I think is pretty hard to disagree with, which is inclusive growth is better for companies, better for society, better for our, our global economy and our domestic economy. I think folks that stick to that, I think will emerge on the other side stronger. Shelley, what is the number one thing that many companies did after the murder of George Floyd in terms of making these pledges? What did they say they were going to do and what has been done? There's really two sides of the pledges that link to what happened with the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, and many others. The first is companies made, in many cases, pretty uh, ambitious pledges with respect to diversity in their own institutions. So they looked at the population across different levels from entry level all the way through to the senior executives and made commitments to 
frankly, do better, particularly later in the funnel. So that's, that's one piece of it. The second piece is what I'll call looking outside of the window of the company, which is how do we use our capital and our assets to help address broader systematic inequality? So how do we, in some ways, lift the floor, whereas some of the employment stuff often about raising the ceiling? Corporations have to take direct action in both of these things in terms of proactively managing their internal diversity funnel and understanding what representation looks like throughout and having the right programs and anti-bias design bedded in their processes so that they can do that work internally. And then again, looking out of the four walls of their company, they also need to be thinking about what are the direct investments that we can make in the communities that we work in and that we serve to help advance equity directly. And so we have seen the amount of dollars committed to racial equity continue to increase since 2020. We did an accounting of it in December of 2020, and it found that around $66 billion had been publicly announced in terms of investment in this cause. And then if you kind of fast forward to six months ago, the number was closer to around $340 billion. So you continue to see the ramp up of commitments. And I think a couple of things that I would note with respect to that. The first is, what are people committing to? And they're committing to things like using money to support affordable housing. You see dollars flowing across the list of human development needs that are very acute in the Black community. And so I think in many ways, the pledges are, are targeted in the right areas. The second piece of it then becomes, well, how well are companies following through on the deployment? And a couple of observations there. One, I do want to acknowledge that it's pretty early in the journey. The second thing is, while a lot of these pledges were well-intentioned and remain well-intentioned, it has been challenging to actually meet these ambitious goals to deploy this capital. Fostering more dynamic and competitive small and medium business ecosystems is a win-win for, for all parties. If you are bringing more entrepreneurs you know, into the fold and unleashing you know, through capital, through support, their innovation and their ability to compete for business, you are finding opportunities where you can localize your supply chain. We know that that is important to be thinking about in the context of what happened with COVID-19. We also know that to the extent that you are fostering diverse suppliers, that's going to disproportionately benefit diverse workers because we know that there's some relationship there in terms of diverse businesses and what their workforce looks like tends to be more representative of the population. And that's the biggest lever that corporations have to directly impact society other than wages. Being thoughtful about how we encourage entrepreneurship in all parts of this country is a way to build stronger and more resilient supply chains, foster wealth creation in bro a broader set of pockets in the economy, and support diverse workers who, who tend to be you know, either un or underemployed at higher rates. We really appreciate you joining us today, Shelley Stewart from McKenzie. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for having me.